Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. This is the December 5th, 2019 Tao Te Ching meeting for the Share Recovery Community. You can join us in this recording. This is just a recording of a weekly meeting, how the Tao relates to recovery, which personally is the closest thing I've ever seen in any uh, religious reading. And I've I try to read a lot of different things uh, to what a higher power, a generic higher power, you know, that this really is. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the same principles we see in all these others too. Uh, this principle of love and letting go and surrender and all of that is just repeated over and over and over again in different cultures. And I love seeing uh, this writing that's 2,500 years old about the ancient people of that time. So this may be wisdom from four or 5,000 years ago, and it fits so well with our lives today. And that I think that's what makes it true wisdom. I'd like to welcome Kate and Lala and Suzanne and Tina and Kirsty and Marla and Rob and Paul today. Did anyone get a chance to look at this chapter beforehand? It's chapter five. Um, I did not have a lot out of this chapter at first, but I seem to have gotten a different idea on it than I've gotten out of other chapters. So I think it's going to be a good discussion today. And um, I think it's one of the most important chapters of all, which is kind of funny. You and I always get a different uh, idea of what the chapter is about. Don't we? Yeah, we do. What's your initial take on it? What's your initial take? That, that, um, we treat everything, all living beings, equally, altruistically. There is no judgment. Um, everything has a right to, to be as it is. There's no one's favored over another. Nothing, no one thing is favored over another. It's just everybody, everything living equally, altruistically, and happily. I what got you some of that. Well, I got some of that, and what I started with was, of course, I usually start negative for some reason. I always think of the negative side of things first, which, are, you know, hopefully that changes over time. But first I thought that, well, I'm not more special than any other person. <laughs> you know, like my prejudices against other people that I think I'm better than or, or more important than, you know, we're all equal. Uh, and then I thought about in recovery that, if it works for someone else, it can work for me too. And that, that's where I settled was that, uh, was that we're, uh, that rain falls on the just and the unjust. Also the sunshine shines on the just and the unjust. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that if recovery works for me, it can work for you. If there's, you know, it, it can work for everyone. This power of the universe is available to all of us equally mm-hmm. without prejudice so that's that's where i ended up settling after some time okay the fifth chapter of the Tao Te Ching. i will share the screen chapter five heaven and earth are impartial 
They see the ten thousand things as straw dogs. The wise are impartial. They see the people as straw dogs. The space between heaven and earth is like a bellows. The shape changes, but not the form. The more it moves, the more it yields. The words count less. Hold fast to the center. Second translation. The Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth to both good and evil. The master doesn't take sides. She welcomes both saints and sinners. The Tao is like a bellows. It is empty yet infinitely capable. The more you use it, the more it produces. The more you talk of it, the less you understand. Hold on to the center. Third translation. Heaven and earth are impartial. They treat all of creation as straw dogs. The master doesn't take sides. She treats everyone like a straw dog. The space between heaven and earth is like a bellows. It is empty, yet has not lost its power. The more it is used, the more it produces. The more you talk of it, the less you comprehend. It is better not to speak of things you do not understand. Final translation. Tao's neutral. It doesn't worry about good or evil. The masters are neutral. They treat everyone the same. Lao Tzu said Tao is like a bellows. It's empty, but it could help set the world on fire. If you keep using Tao, it works better. If you keep talking about it, it won't make any sense. Be cool. Be cool. I was never cool. Um, always you never. are now. <laughs> Amazing how that works, isn't it? A <laughs> uh, couple of things in here that are repetitive that I think will help us to understand uh, straw dogs, bellas, hold to the center. Those three things kind of jump out at me. Anyone know what a straw dog is, what they're talking about? I think it's an, an idol. Is that what they, they used it as some kind of idol to worship? I'm not sure. I'm not, I guess um, yeah, it's offered as a sacrifice. This is what the notes I see. It's kept in a box, wrapped up in embroidered cloth, uh, and actually the the person that's um, offering it fast before they offer it. So it's a it's a it's a special thing. But when once it's offered up, passerbys, people walking by, trample over its body, and fuel gatherers pick it up for burning. So they discard it. So the master doesn't take sides. She uh, welcomes saints and sinners uh, is the second one translation of that instead of straw dog. So they see people, all people the same, in other words. They, they accept everyone, you know, whether they have no value like a used straw dog would have. Mm-hmm versus, you know, the most important person in society. Uh, Mitchell said saints and sinners rather than straw dogs. So that kind of gives us an idea. Well, what do you think is the kind of meaning behind it? I guess I'm really behind by the 10,000 things. I have an idea of what it is, but I'm not sure. Um, But 
how it says, see the 10,000 things as straw dog. That's everything. That's all of the okay, world. See everything. As That's everything. That's everything. what they used to mean, everything. All right, got it. So, so see everything as a straw dog. In other words, put no value on anything in particular as being more valuable. And, and I think more so than things, if we can think of this as people and um, uh, achievements and all the internal stuff instead of, you know, things that we touch and feel. You know, we already know we don't put value on those things. But moving from that to the, you know, turning the light around to internal reflection is different. You know, uh, do I do I want to impress? Is do I feel this person is more important to me? You know, and, and a more valuable person, so I'm going to treat them differently than I treat this other person. Is how I'm seeing it. Please mm-hmm. jump in if you see something different or agreed. I always I always just thought it was a Dustin Hoffman movie. Straw dogs. <laughs> no, but no, uh, seriously, I think they they actually took the title from the Dow for that movie. Um, I don't know if you if any of you have ever seen it. It's a pretty violent uh, a film, but uh, it's a guy who's uh, who moves to the country with his wife, and she she's raped, and uh, the guy who is a real meek uh, sort of individual takes his revenge on the on the guys who. Uh, who raped his wife. And um, I guess, you know, it's kind of got those themes about discarding and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's a pretty dark movie, but um, it, the, the title was taken from the Dow, So for what that's worth, but anyway, I've never seen Dustin Hoffman in a role like that. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Like I said, it's uh it's, it's, I think it came out about 1971. I want to say, and uh, Sam Peckinpah directed it. He's known for his violent westerns and stuff. So, but it, yeah, it's an it's, it's an interesting movie for sure. I'll check it out. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking on Straw Dogs. Uh, now, do you know what a bellus is? It's it's what um, um, well, I think about it every time I think about horseshoeing and any kind of an outside furnace like that where you've got to generate a lot of heat where you, uh, and anytime you've got a fire uh, outside, if you've got a cap, you you roll the cap on the fire back and forth to get the air moving in the fire to, to make the fire more. So what um, that's what a bellus does. You know, in hunting camp, we'd always have a, have a fan that we could put beside the fire to get the fire going quick, you know, same kind of thing. You know, you, uh, you introduce air into a fire and it makes the fire a larger fire. So uh, that's what a bellus is. It says it's empty, but it's infinitely capable. That idea that, you know, it has a purpose, even though it's empty, it can do so much. So that's my thinking on a bellus. Y'all, if y'all have any comments there. And then holding to the center. I always see that. I see that a lot in this. You know, what exactly does that mean? You know, stay in the middle of the herd. Uh, I, I heard one the other day at a meeting I'd never heard. It was, if you if you stay in the middle of the bed, you won't fall off. You've not heard that before. I've never heard that. Never. You got to stay in the set. You got to stay in the middle of the bed because that you stay in the middle of recovery, so you're not going to yeah. fall out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
I thought that was good. And I said, okay, I can see that. You know, that's a good, actually I wrote it down to put, to use in the transitions quote sometimes when I get one I don't like, I switch them out. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, one that's just kind of really odd, you know, like, ah, I'll switch that out. So I, I do that sometimes, but uh, uh, I'm going to get in trouble if Clint hears this. He's not going to. The center lie. is a, a place of balance. It's balance. Yes. Woo way. Uh, it's also stillness is what this is talking about too. That interreflection. So it's holding to the center. Center. Another another translation of that is is holding to the stillness, staying in the quiet. Uh, is the way that it's said. Um, yeah. Hold uh, holding to the center of your thoughts, the middle path, moderation. What is within? What is inside? is all the, the middle way. That's all the different ways that that could be translated. Staying, what's within your heart, you know, staying within. It's what that's, what, from what I see, what that's talking about. So that's the three things that jumped out that I quite didn't understand before I started. Anything else in there that's kind of foreign to our, our normal vocabulary before we actually start looking at meanings? I have something. I really, now that I know what a bellows is, I didn't have a chance to look it up. Um, to me, that's, I love, I love thinking of it that way because um, it puts it in, you know, I need things that are tangible to think about. And it's like this air that does so much, but it's just air is all around us and it's always available to us. It's just how we take it and put force behind it. And then it can create this, this fire. Um, I like it in that sense and that it is empty yet infinitely capable, which reminds me that the less there is, the more there is. And nothingness is the, is the goal, but I mean, it's so powerful. So I really just that one, one um, part there was, was big to me. That, that, that reminds me of all the paradoxes to, you know, about surrendering to win and, that the weaker I get, the stronger I become, and that our, our strength uh, is in our weakness, really, is in mm-hmm. our powerlessness. And learning how to live in powerlessness is where the real strength is. And whatever we're doing, staying in that powerlessness and not moving out of the center, you know, getting on the edges, trying to control ourselves, you know, all those things. And it's so it's so interesting how much of that has nothing to do with God whatsoever, or or some believing something to change. It's just getting right sized about the circumstances that you're in at the moment, and stopping trying to change things you can't control. And because I found most of my angst did not come from me 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 needing things to be different. It came from me trying to change things I couldn't change. Me hitting that wall over and over and over, push, 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 when there was nothing I could do about it. So once I stopped pushing, my circumstances in the situation didn't change. I just quit fighting them. So I was happier. So that, you know, that really is a part of addressing that emptiness and seeing that. Um, Jonathan Starr's translation of that last little phrase 
was that he was not he was uh, man was not made to blow out air. He was made to sit quietly and find the truth within. That hold fast to the center, to sit quietly and find the truth within. So I, I think that's really good. I I have um, I don't know. I think I might have gone off on a bit of a tangent because um, I read I read it like 15 minutes prior to the meeting and then just wrote a load of stuff down. Um, um, and in terms of um, the Tao and um, a higher power, if you want to call it that, um, I, I gravitate towards um, consciousness um, and being conscious are the thing that we have and the way our mind functions that we, we don't the workings of it we don't know we don't know anything about it and it's and it and as yet it's unidentified and and i i believe it's how everything is connected by this undefined energy that um that that connects all living beings um and it's yet to proven that it does not connect each and every one of us and that consciousness allows us to operate as a human being and gives us the ability to have a mind um but that mind as we kind of grow grow up and we age it's influenced by everything um in like external society and we um, gather thoughts we get perceptions we form opinions but actually we are influenced and conditioned by other people so when i think about it in terms of recovery i have been conditioned i have been influenced and i my my thought processes are very much um the way they are because of how i was brought up from being a child um now this 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 idea of the mind is obviously the 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 self and and the ego um and the and i've got this idea that having you know putting a a name on the self and having the ego constricts the limit i put the constricts the limitless nature of the consciousness so we restrict ourselves by having all of these preconceived ideas by having these um judgments um hence the term narrow-minded um sorry i am going to go on um and thus over time we then form a conditioned self which for people in recovery is perhaps the alcoholic mind the addict mind the monkey mind if you strip that back to just an energy and you remove those restrictions you you lose the judgment you lose the ego and and a way you're living in the way of the Tao. um and this can be thought of as emptying the mind um, to grant it unlimited energy and inexhaustible potential. Um, it's not dampened down by the um, 
the rules of society, um, religion or anything else that may influence it. Um, and the consciousness remains open, infinitely empty, and as I said, with limited potential. Now, when it comes to the centre, and I guess in all of that, we're not judgmental. We don't see anything as being more or less important than anyone else. And in terms of the centre, I guess, you know, everything is created from a nucleus of some sort, be it a cell, be it universe, Everything has a point of creation. Um, and if we allow ourselves to veer towards more that nucleus, which is the innocent, innate form of consciousness that isn't judging, that isn't you know um, restricted or conditioned, then we maintain an openness and the ability to be our true selves and to find our true selves are more closely linked to the energy that unites us all. Um, and that really is how I related the, the mind, the psychology of this chapter. And that might have meant no sense, made no sense whatsoever, but that's what came out of my mind probably about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Kirsty. um how about this phrase here what, what is the action that we need to move to what what is our part in moving toward holding fast to the center how do we and there's a phrase in each of these translations that just before that last sentence the more it moves, the more it yields, more words count less. The more you use it, the more it produces. Be cool. The more you talk of it, the less you understand. And then the more you use it, the more it produces. If you keep using Tao, it works better. Yes, it's the it, idea of this, this, same, this same grasping within Buddhism, you know, it's a... It, it, it's going against that and you know if you push and push and push rather than relax into something then you retain an openness and being open and it's I think you've said it before buddy this effortless effort then things come to you more easily or, yeah. more, or easier yeah. um the um a couple of the translations a little earlier say the master doesn't take sides or the master treats everyone the same. In the Wayne Dyer translation, he says the master gives and gives without condition, offering his treasure to everyone. The more it's used, the more it produces. It's inexhaustible. Yeah, I, li I like what Dyer's saying there. Um, I listened to his YouTube uh, version this morning of this chapter. And, I, and when I listened to it, I found a lot of the uh, same ideas in the Pay It Forward Challenge that we're doing in the SRC this month. If I keep an open heart and an open mind, the opportunities to help someone else will just present themselves. Yes, Paul. And it's amazing how that works because, you know, <laughs> I'm not even thinking of it. You know, I'm not thinking of it consciously. But if I just 
you know, like I said, keep my heart open and, you know, just observe things, then things will present themselves. Paul, why don't you share what that challenge is? Maybe some people on the podcast would like to like to join in that with us. Well, as, as far as I understand, uh, we're, we're calling it the pay it forward challenge, or I, I like to refer to it as kind of like the good deed challenge. Um, it's not, not to go around and, and brag about all the good things you do during the day, but just to give some other people some ideas about things. Uh, like, like Buddy, I, I got to blame Buddy for planting the seeds on this one about not taking the, the parking spot right next to the door at the store. I mean, I always used to look for the best spot. You know, obviously, I'm not going to park in the handicapped spot, but, I, you know, the, the best able-bodied spot, I would often take it and not even think about maybe there's an older person who, or you know, maybe doesn't have a handicap sticker but yet has trouble getting to and from the door. And, you know, I'm an able-bodied person, and I need the exercise anyway, so I find myself parking way out in the sticks now. I mean, I'm not even close to the door anymore. But just little stuff like that, you know, or just, uh, you know, just, just, just smiling at somebody or giving them a, a, an encouraging word during the day. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything really huge, but um, I, had, I had one the other day where I was, I was going into the laundromat and there was a guy in a wheelchair and he dumped, he, he, was, he had his laundry basket on his, on his lap and he was trying to get in the door and he dumped all his dirty laundry out and I just, I didn't even think about it. I just went and picked it up for him. And uh, I, I've carried in the rest of his laundry and, you know, but that's, again, that's just something I wasn't planning on that day, but it just happened. And because, you know, I was not thinking of myself, I was able to help him when he needed it. So that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And, and doesn't it get easier, Paul? Um, a quote from this is the more it's used, the more it produces. The more we use that muscle, that muscle of generosity, the easier it is to be generous. And it works. I have a quote from Richard Rohr that I came across the other day in uh, Breathing Underwater. If you've never read that book and you like his reading, his writings and what he shares, he's a Franciscan monk. And this is on the 12 steps. I forget which step this is. I think this is on the 12th step. He says, spiritual gifts increase by using them, unlike material gifts that decrease with usage. So this idea that the more we give, the easier it is to be giving is, is a huge principle here. Uh, and I found a few promises in the Tao, in the Tao Te Ching that cover this, uh, like from the 36th chapter about uh, being without desire, we can find that we want for nothing. The 81st chapter, the more we give, the greater our abundance. The 79th chapter, someone must risk returning injury for kindness or hostility will never turn to goodwill. One with virtue seeks a way to give. One who lacks true virtue, a way to get. Is that not this? I mean, it's the same thing, you know, that when we learn to stay in the center, learn that if we use this muscle of generosity that we treat people fairly and equally and that we're, uh, we don't play favorites and we look within and we use this quietness to, to just be aware, more aware of what's going on around us. Then 
it also reminds me of Romans 12 where it talks about that when we see we offer our moment up as an offering and then we respond when we see God doing something it's the same thing yeah i uh, i never i never once regretted choosing kindness yes <laughs> you know there are times where i you know i've been an asshole to somebody and i i later regretted it but i've never regretted the opposite no so true no. paul so true it is so true any other comments guys I think, I think in, in terms of exercising a muscle, uh, my experience last month was the same with gratitude. I think if you, if you, if you are grateful every day for something, it, it stays with you, and that gratitude stays with you throughout the day, and you, know, you, you know, notice the smaller things that you took for granted, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's still with me today, every day. Yeah, I agree. It's it's become habit-forming to just go to gratitude, which was the point, I think, of this, the whole exercise of a month. Hopefully it'll be the same with the pay-it-forward one as well. We'll all just be kind forever. Yes, that's what the Dalai Lama, that's his religion, is kindness. That's all he says. And he's a happy guy. I can go with that. Mm. He's a real happy guy. And there's, you know, one thing from this chapter that I saw, too, this lack of prejudice or that the that the sage did not play favorites, that reminded me of this idea of sobriety. And if I relate that to recovery, that, you know, this can work for me. If I see this working in other people's lives, that's the first thing I saw that I'd never seen before at the first meeting I went to. I saw a guy that was sober. And he appeared to have drank like I had drank. And I didn't know other people drank like I drank. I did not know. I drank at home by myself. And I did not know there were other people out there that used alcohol like I used alcohol. And I said, gosh, I said, if this works for him, I know it can work for me. Now, I came at it from a a negative point, but I knew it would. So I just kept coming back because I knew if I stayed long enough, eventually, hopefully I'd figure out how to do this you know and it really came from surrender for me and it took six years for me to learn how to let go enough to let this work but I knew the answer was there for me and that's what spoke to me and I kept coming back until you know until I could see some fruit of that so I would suggest that if you've seen someone that has what you want as far as sobriety goes Ask them how they did it and just do what they're doing, whatever it is. You know, just do it. Um, that would be my suggestion. But uh, this idea that, uh, that we're all equal, that we're all the same, that we're all connected, um, so foreign to my old thinking. Because I thought we were all separate and it was up to me to do better than you and it was up to me to make my life what I wanted it to be and all of that so it's been a lot of transformation for me and I'm I'm still not totally there yet but I'm getting there and that's one thing I practice in Walmart everyone I see I said you know we're the same person we're alike we might look different we're alike more than we're different yes yes and so when I see people that I and I, I had to practice this when I was in New Orleans last week And I found myself 
opening my heart more than resisting everyone that I didn't like being around. You know, when I was around people I didn't approve of or didn't like in, you know, like some behavior, instead of pushing against them, I said, you know, I said, I'm just going to open my heart and not put negativity out like I normally do. And so, um, <laughs> that sounds so awful. Yes. <laughs> I think from the um, from a from a, uh, a recovery perspective, for myself and also from from a lot of people that I hear um, showing in the rooms or in meet, online meetings, we feel different. Right from a well, for me anyway, from a very very young age, and not necessarily special. I'm not saying that I felt. I certainly didn't feel special. Um, I just felt like I did not belong and as I grew up more things happened to almost affirm that that I did not belong that I was different that something was wrong with me and one of the one of the best things that I've learned in recovery is that people felt the same way and second to that actually we're all the same Mm-hmm. in and out of recovery it's just that we're the lucky ones we're the ones that have the chance of finding a way of life where we don't feel like that anymore because i still think that there are people out there that have grown up feeling like that but still feel like that every single day and and we have the chance not to um and be content with who we are and that to me is like the ultimate, the ultimate um, achievement, but not in the I am so great kind of way. <laughs> um, you know. Now, that's interesting, Kirsty. I don't think any of us, from everyone I know in recovery, we either felt we were less than or greater than, not equal to. Mm. Everyone and- that I know either took one of those two positions. I took the greater than. I thought I was better because of achievements I'd made. Yeah, I mean, I pushed myself younger. I was the first person in my family not to have to work a job every day. I mean, I was the first person to, you know, do some achievements financially that, you know, other family members hadn't done. I was raising a single wide trailer in rural Georgia, you know. So, I mean, I, and I worked hard. It wasn't given to me. I worked. And, um so I had all this self, you know, uh, pride and ego about the things I had done. So, I mean, I'm not a multimillionaire, but I was to the point to where I didn't have to work hard anymore, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but approaching recovery in the same way, all I have to do is just work hard at this and it will work for me. If it worked for these derelicts that don't know as much as I do about other things, it'll work for me too. You know, that kind of an attitude, (laughs) bringing into recovery the same attitude I had. Now, I wouldn't dare say that. And I would go to great extremes not to show how I really felt. And I never really felt guilty about feeling that way. I just thought it was important for them not to know I felt that way. (laughs) I, I came I came in I came into the rooms um a couple of years ago and I felt like that and about 6 weeks in 
I told them that I felt like that. Yeah. And that actually in the, in those six weeks, I changed my opinion. Um, because there was a paradox. We are, par- we, you know, the, the addiction is a massive paradox. And I guess it says it in the big book somewhere, doesn't it? That I feel like both I'm the shit on someone's shoe, but if I walk into a room full of addicts and alcoholics, I'll be the first one to say, well, at least I'm not that person over there. Um, or at least I'm not doing that. Um, and that I have all of these nice clothes and a nice car, moi, moi, moi. you know, and, and, but it's all irrelevant when it comes down to it, because, you know, yes. you either get it and die or you, you do you know you don't get it and die or you all get recovery and you stop judging these really cool people that you're equal with um so yeah i plug in this whole chapter to um of the microcosm of a family where you know you have a family of maybe six you know there's four kids two parents and the parents are treating all everyone equally but the children don't feel equal to each other. And sort of, Kirsty, piggybacking on what you were saying about growing up, I never felt equal to my siblings. They were smarter than me, more accomplished than me, prettier than me. And that wasn't the real truth. And, you know, now, now that I'm adult, an adult, and my relationships with them are much more equal. You know, I don't think of them as highly, I mean, I think of them highly, but they're no better than I am. They're no smarter than I am. They're no prettier than I am. They're no more successful than I am. And I'm trying to bring that into the rest of the world as well. And we do that by Mm -hmm. the kindness, by the Mm -hmm. generosity, by choosing to be generous rather than selfish. Mm -hmm. In those little simple everyday things i think that's what draws us back to the center draws us back to that stillness within taking that achievement and all those other things out of the picture that are no longer the important things we learn you know you know like my bumper sticker he who dies with the most toys dies you know he dies no achievement that's not an achievement he dies (laughs) you know we you know, uh, you know, Jesus was asked by Philip in the Nag Hammadi, what do I have to do to have peace? He says, abandon the works that do not follow. Abandon the stuff that you can't take with you when you die, in other words. So your generosity, your love, your kindness, those inner things are the things that I think he was referring to, not the stuff. Not the stuff. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. And, you know, and if this works, if you see something in recovery, and the biggest, I think, lesson from this chapter is that if you see someone in recovery that has something that you want, uh, I saw this in my sponsor. Years ago, I noticed that he was one of the few people in meetings that had an ease with money, that he didn't care about money that he knew God was going to meet his needs regardless of what was going on. And I said, I want that because I stress about money. I stress about losing it when I have it. I stress about not getting it when I don't have it. You know, my life is about security, and I want to feel secure regardless. 
And so I asked him to be my sponsor when it came time for me to need things worked out to where I needed a sponsor. So I asked him and he has helped me tremendously with this and just God putting someone in my life. So I would, uh, he went on vacation to Italy and he said, go by my house and get my mail for me. I said, okay, where do you want me to put it? He says, he's put in the middle of the living room. I said, well, where's the keys? He says, I don't know. I don't lock the door. I said, what? You got a Porsche and a Tundra and Lexus out here and all your keys are hanging on the wall. I said, you don't lock anything? He says, no, I never do. I said, if somebody needs something, they can get it and I'll just get another. It's no big deal. I hope nobody knows where your sponsor lives. Listen to his yeah. podcast. Well, what I'm saying is. Do you know where he lives? I need to, I need a Lexus. <laughs> well, what I'm saying though, is there's, I'm not saying we all need to do that. But I want to have that ease of attitude toward all those things. And so I started working with him, and he's helped me with that. So what I would say is if you have, if you see someone in recovery that has something that you want, just ask them how they're doing it and just do what they're doing. It's really simple. It's really simple. I think Rob had something to say. Just oh, did you, Rob? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep uh, if I if I overlook you, raise your hand if you can, but uh, or just join in. Interrupt us. Go ahead, Rob. I like the idea of the bellows. There, the National Park Service rebuilt Bent's old fort on the Santa Fe Trail, kind of south of where I live. And in that recreation, they have the blacksmith shop. And in the blacksmith shop, they have a bellows, and it's an enormous, enormous. Uh, monstrosity it's this huge bellows probably about six feet tall and they used it to fan the fire that stoked the coal that you know melted the the metal and heated up everything but the master the the blacksmith had this big pedal he would he would control and it would have an arm had an arm and i'm visually seeing this and the arm controlled um a, a center that 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 off of that center was the hinge and then this huge six-foot bellows with leather, big wood pieces. And obviously there was, you know, inflating, deflating, and the, the output of that was an enormous amount of wind and, and light. But in the center, it really wasn't not much going on. It was just kind of opening and shutting at the center. And I, I can kind of – I'm visually seeing this. I can see the writer – um, saying, you know, don't get out on the edge of those bellows. Don't don't think that you're a in control. You don't have your foot on on the master pedal. You're not the one that's building something and controlling something. And you know, you're just you're just part of this whole thing. Get in the middle. Get off of the out of the outside edges where that thing's opening and shutting and you know, all the action. You don't have any control anyway. So get yourself someplace where you don't have control and get out of all of the worthless and stupid and dangerous activity and, and find, figure out your place in this whole thing. And I, I saw that visually. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's what they were saying, but that's, that's what I was thinking. Thanks, Rob. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Staying in the center. Any other comments? I want to hit a couple of real quick points in this uh, Wayne Dyer, if uh, if we can. Marla, are you good with that, or you want me just to talk the points real quick, or what do you want to do? Um, no, I can talk the points. Cool. Um, without, I'm not going to read the fifth verse, 
but I underlined a few things. Sure. All right. Um, this is called Living Impartially. The Tao is the source of all, the great invisible provider. It doesn't show preference by giving energy to some while depriving others. Rather, the basic life-sustaining components of air, sunshine, atmosphere, and rain are provided for all on our planet. By choosing to harmonize our inner and outer consciousness with this powerful feature of the Tao, we can realize the true self that we are. Moving further into the chapter, under stay in harmony with the impartial essence of the Tao in all of your thoughts and all of your behaviors, when you have a thought that excludes others, you've elected to see yourself as special and therefore deserving of exceptional favor from your source of being. Organizations, including religious groups that designate some members as favored, aren't centered in the Tao. No matter how much they attempt to convince themselves and others of their spiritual connection, the act of exclusion and partiality eliminates their functioning from their true self. In other words, if a thought or behavior divides us, it is not of God. If it unites us, it is of God. Stay centered on this Tao that resides within you, Lao Tzu advises, and you'll never have a thought that isn't in harmony with your spirit. Offer your treasures to everyone. And we'll do the one, two, and three. One, eliminate as many judgments of others in your thoughts as possible. The simplest, most natural way to accomplish this is to see yourself in everyone. Two, remove the word special from your vocabulary when you refer to yourself or others. If anyone is special, then we all are. Finally, implement the third step of this process by extending generosity through living the Tao impartially and connecting with the inner space of being the Tao. And under Do the Tao Now, as many times as possible today, decide to approach interactions or situations involving other people with a completely fair mindset, which you allow and trust to guide your responses. Do this as often as you can for an entire day with individuals, groups, friends, family members, or strangers. Create a short sentence that you silently repeat to continually remind yourself that you're approaching this situation with an unbiased attitude, such as, quote, guide me right now, Dal, Holy Spirit, guide me now, or Holy Spirit, help us now. Keeping this brief sentence on a loop in your mind will prevent judgment from habitually surfacing. But even more appealing is the feeling of relaxation and openness to whatever wants to happen in those moments of impartiality. I love how he gives us ways to do it. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is how to do it. Open to whatever wants to happen. Yeah. Wow. And that's easy. This is yep. easy to do. That, that, that's where I see the pay it forward thing is in that last part there that Dyer talks about keeping that open heart and open mind. Yeah, to whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and if this is too churchy, guide me right now or pray, you know. I tell you, another thing that works for me is just opening my heart. That sounds so woo-woo for me because I'm not, you know, 
I've come a long way. Woo-woo was bullshit, you know, years ago. You know, I forget that. I don't want anything that's woo-woo, you know. But yeah. opening my heart, I would never do listen to that. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. And But that really is what it is. And uh, what's the guy, Michael Singer, uh, Untethered Soul, talks about that. Just opening your heart. Mm-hmm. Being kind. I, just, I use the word grace. Have yeah, grace. yeah. So there's, a lot of, there's a lot of non-religious ways we can look at this. That If those things are, are blocks to you, don't worry about that. Because it's about just being open. It's about being available. It's about surrendering. Letting go. Being kind. Yeah, letting go. Oh, know? and be cool. Uh, yeah, be cool. Yeah. If, if this works for any of us, oh. it works for everyone, you know? The, the you know, and this is the great thing too. This is one thought I didn't mention. We talked about this before. Talked about this before about that the universe is ever expanding. So when we do surrender, it's not like we surrender and fail, or we surrender and there's nothing good waiting for us. It's when we surrender and we we're able to open ourselves up. We open ourselves up to this ever-expanding Tao, this ever-expanding universe. It's not a dying universe. It's an ever-expanding universe. So what's there waiting for us is life, not death. So we're, we're standing in the way of us experiencing life. And I see a glimpse of that every, kind, every time, Paul, that I choose to be kind instead of hateful. I choose to smile instead of frown. I choose to open my heart instead of judge and say, why are you like that? Why don't you, why didn't you do what I did? <laughs> really? I mean, that's really it. Yeah. And, and gratitude. Yes. Yeah. And gratitude can always bring me back, Paul. If I get out there and, you know, I see the guy begging, this happened when we were in New Orleans, they're begging for money. We go in and eat and come back and he's checking his messages on his iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I immediately, you know, I want to, I said, no. I said, who am I? I cannot judge this guy. I send love to him instead. I didn't give him money, but I send love to him. <laughs> you I'm know? sure he got it. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't glare at him and say, you, rah, 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 you know, like I would have used to would have wanted to do, you know. And uh, uh, and whoever was with me, then it was first wife. This wife hasn't, stop, buddy, you're embarrassing me, you know. I heard that so many times, you know, stop. You can't do that. They're going to attack you. You can't do that. You know, and uh, just that anger that was just under the surface, you know, it's so freeing not to, not to be like that most of the time. (laughs) Practice. Yes. It's practice. (laughs) Any closing comments, guys? Well, I want y'all to have a great week. Go out there and be generous to someone today. Stay in the middle of the bed. Don't fall off. (laughs) Hurts. Y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.